Hello and welcome to episode 355 of the Thinking LSAT podcast. I'm Ben Olson, that's Nathan Fox, together we're the co-founders of LSATdemon.com and the LSAT Demon Daily podcast. Email us at help at thinkinglsat.com if you have any comments on today's show. We're going to record the next show tomorrow. So emailing us today is ideal. And we talked about a lot of things, some things that may make you guys upset. We talked about <laughs> the June LSAT that just happened. Um, there was an experimental section that the LSAT, the LSAC, the test writers told everyone would be experimental during the test. And then that led to us speculating about why they did that and why they added this section. Um, we think it has to do with accommodations, but we talked about that. We talked about logic games and how, how they've been and where we think they're going. Any of this, what else do you think people might want to email us about? Um, I think mostly that discussion about the, you know, they're, they're apparently making some changes to the logic games coming up. I mean, this isn't new. We know that they, they entered into this agreement because they settled a lawsuit and the, the old logic games have to go away because apparently they are discriminatory against blind people. Um, I don't really think that that's necessarily true, but that's, you know, what happened in that lawsuit. I, I want to make it clear that we want to learn about these issues. I especially yeah. have a tone sometimes that makes it sound like I think I know everything. And I assure you, I, I'm willing to change my mind about things. So email us help at thinkinglsat.com and you can uh, actively contribute to this discussion. Because if you, you know, day one, when this comes out, Monday, June 20th, if you email the show uh, tomorrow, we will get it. We'll put it on the agenda and we'll talk about it. And next week's episode, we'll have, you know, your input. So um, please don't be shy about helping us understand these issues. Yeah, again, that's help at thinkinglsat.com. Coming up, we have the August 2022 LSAT registration deadline, which is Thursday, June 30th. You can find all these dates at lsat.link forward slash dates. You'll see the registration deadlines for the upcoming tests, when the tests are, and also when the scores are likely to be released. If you have not joined Nathan's free class, which is every other Thursday, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern, I would strongly encourage you to join that. It is no longer just a study group. It is a class that targets different topics every other time, right? Yeah. And this one um, I'm noticing serendipitously is happening on the deadline date for the August 2022 LSAT registration. Mm, so it's yeah. Thursday, June 30th. Uh, the topic of the class is what LSAT score variance means. We're going to talk about, uh, hey, why are my scores going up and down so wildly? And is that bad? And should I try to avoid that? And, you know, my scores for logical reasoning change all the time. Sometimes I get minus zero. Sometimes I get minus seven. What's happening? So yeah. um, we're going to have a discussion about LSAT score variance, but especially because it's happening on the deadline for August 2022 LSAT registration, you can also come and ask questions about, hey, do you think I'm ready? Should I pull the trigger on this uh, $200 investment that I'm making to register for a test that's happening six weeks down the road? Uh, cool. Again, that's Thursday, June 30th, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. And all you need is uh, a free LSAT Demon account. So register at LSATdemon.com. Yep. And if you want to find this particular class for registering, just go to LSAT.link forward slash Nathan. 
Um, we're always looking for teachers, the best and the brightest. You listened to this show, you studied with us in the demon and you got something over 170. We want to talk to you. Um, email Nathan at lsatdemon.com. He is in charge of all teacher hiring. Yep. I'd love to. I mean, boy, it makes, there's nothing that makes me happier really. Like we, we just end up with such amazing folks by by hiring our listeners and our students you know yep. like if you if you used our methods and you improved by 20 points and ended up with a 170 something mm-hmm. and you think you might be able to help other students make that same leap um definitely please email me uh i've already got people in the current class by the way that i'm like trying to <laughs> they haven't even taken the official test yet and i'm like you <laughs> come to work for us <laughs> yeah <laughs> please um so yeah, email me. I'm Nathan at lsatdemon.com. Cool. Uh, let's start with the streak leaderboard. Yeah. You want to tell people what that's all about? And Sure. So uh, inside LSAT Demon, if you're an LSAT, this is like not everybody that listens to the show is an LSAT Demon subscriber. But yep. uh, if you're inside what? LSAT... <laughs> yeah. Hey, can free subscribers see the streak leaderboard? They probably they, can, right? Yeah, they can. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So if you have, a, at the very least, you should have a demon free account. If you're listening to this podcast, uh, lsatdemon.com, just sign up for a free account. But in the, if you go to the dashboard in the upper right hand corner, there's a big button that says current streak. And on the current streak, which was, let's see here, it says it was updated 14 minutes ago. We have a, a list of uh, students who are, I guess, competing if they know they're competing to uh, do a little bit of uh, LSAT studying every day. And so we wanted to shout out the people that were at the very top of the leaderboard. There's currently a four way tie for first place between Vin, Grant, Michael and Garrett. And everybody there has been doing amazingly a little bit every day for 57 days in a row. Yeah. Now, technically, I think Vin is in the lead here. Oh, because Vin has a profile picture (laughs) (laughs) of a very goofy looking dog. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Uh, Hot on their heels. uh, Just one click back. There's a whole bunch of people at 56 days straight. Uh, and that includes a bunch of familiar names from from our classes like Jonathan and Jane and Tiana. Tiana has a profile picture as well. Uh, oh, good and Gregory. Job. Yep. And a whole bunch of other folks uh, from our classes. So, um, boy, it's going to be tough to rise to the top of that leaderboard, though, because uh, I wonder I wonder if Vin, Vin and Grant and Michael and Garrett know that they're all jockeying for first place. I don't know. I, I will say yesterday. Uh, when I looked at this leaderboard, there were five people tied for first. So one of those folks must have dropped out, dropped out. The thing about dropping out is you lose a day. Now you're back to zero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. I'm glad we did that. That's just one uh, little fun thing that we added in order to gamify LSAT prep a little bit and have uh, have something fun to look at and check. I like little daily things like that. I know we've talked about the Wordle before. And you don't like word games, but uh, I I enjoy the wordle and like little, you know, it's like a streak kind of a thing. How many days in a row can you get it right? And yep. I I do get something I don't know why weirdly out of doing that. That's cool. Cool. 
Hey, so we got these, this email, we got a bunch of these emails apparently, but this one came yeah. in through the support um, function in LSAT Demon, and it just says, super weird. I just finished my June test, and the four section told me explicitly in the directions that it was the experimental. I thought usually in the LSAT, they don't say which is the experimental one question mark yeah and when i that's when i first heard about this issue and i was mm -hmm. like what you must have misread something and that's what yeah. our help team thought too when they first started hearing about this but then we heard about it more and more and more mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. i did my um lsat after party on uh saturday and yeah. the after party is a place we do it after every test now where people can come and uh you know commiserate share war stories it's actually really fun yeah. um people just you know queue up and they talk for three or four minutes about their experience with proctor U or whatever and sure. uh, a lot of people told me a story that sounds uh, i'm going to read this email here from n okay but a lot of people told me a story that sounded a lot like this I've only been listening to the Thinking LSAT podcast for three weeks, but I'm a big fan of your podcast. Uh, thanks. Uh, I was one of the test takers on the June LSAT that received the experimental survey section and wanted to write in about my experience. Once I ended my third section, which was reading comp, the test displayed the start screen for the fourth section. I was surprised to see that the instructions explicitly stated that it would be an unscored survey. When I clicked begin, I saw that there were 27 questions split into six groups, like how reading comp and logic games questions are split into four groups. On reading comp, we call them, you know, four passages. And on logic games, we call them four games. So it still sure. is in that format. Okay. In the questions, but I guess half of them were. Well, anyway, it turned out there were three logic games. Each logic game was three questions long followed by six questions, that's the fourth section of questions, that asked us, one, how we used our scratch paper, and two, how important it was. The test repeated these two survey questions for each of the actual logic game questions. Hmm. It was an uncanny experience to see the LSAT interface in this survey mode. The first two logic games were sequencing games that I would expect to see in any analytical reasoning or logic games section. Yep. However, the third scare quotes logic game was unlike one I had ever seen before. It gave me a list of about eight conditions in bullet point format. I will not repeat them due to my candidate agreement, but they were logic statements similar to all fish are either red or blue. All red fish eat water bugs. No fish that eats water bugs <coughs> swims south for the winter. Any blue fish that swims south for the winter does not have shiny scales. Then the three questions for the logic game would be questions such as which one of the following cannot exist? And the answer would be something like a red fish swims south for the winter. Hmm. And that was just a simple combination of two of these rules, all red fish eat water bugs, no fish that eats water bugs swim south for the winter. So you can see there that that's kind of like just a it really it's like a must be true question in uh, logical reasoning. It does. It sounds exactly like a, a formulaic logical reasoning question um, that tends to be short, gives these these kind of random sentences that are 
yep. weird in the real world. But they're giving more. It seems as if maybe they're giving more extraneous rules, mm, mm-hmm. rules that like aren't going to actually be critical to answering this particular question. Yeah. And it also and they're also giving them in bullet point format, which has echoes of the old LSAT or the <laughs> current existing LSAT logic games. Well, it also, I think, illustrates <laughs> what we've said a long time in that this test is a test of reading comprehension which is basically, can you read and understand what's on the page? And then can you figure out what must be true on the basis of that information, whether you call that a logic game, a logical reasoning question, or a reading comp passage, in a lot of ways doesn't matter. (laughs) Right. And the LSAT, LSAC is admitting that by creating this, quote, logic game that essentially looks like a logical reasoning question. Yeah. Uh, N continues, they were very similar to some formal logic questions that I see in the logical reasoning sections. However, the logic terms, some or most, did not appear in my questions. Just like the first two games, the third game was followed by six questions asking me about my scratch paper usage. Anyways, I just wanted to share my own experience with the experimental survey. I enjoy your podcast and will keep listening regardless of if I end up having to take the August LSAT. And that's coming from N. Ben, I immediately had a speculation about what's going on here with this survey. Yep. And uh, do you think I'm right? I do. I think okay. you're 100% right. <laughs> you want to talk about it a little bit? I guess I should leave some room for uh, doubt. But yeah. No. So along. <laughs> no. I'm 100% right. You're always right. <laughs> no, but I mean, on this one, it just it stands to too much reason, right? Yeah. When things when yeah. things make too much sense, then they're probably true. So how many years ago was this? Was this like I feel like I want to say four years ago, but I don't know how long ago it was. A few years ago, some blind test taker sued LSAC and said, hey, look, the logic games discriminate against blind folks because you essentially have to draw for them very hard for me to draw (laughs) so you're discriminating against me by the way i was talking to a low vision expert around the same time that this happened i can't remember i i i'm sorry i regret i can't remember who it was it was one of our teachers or students or god who was that my memory is getting so bad anyway (laughs) it was somebody who knew what the fuck they were talking about who works with low vision people Okay, well, low vision versus blind. Same there. Well, the blind is part of low vision, but anyway. Okay, sure. This this expert in the field mm-hmm. was like insulted by this lawsuit. Oh, okay. Well, because their response was just because sighted people tend to answer these logic games with a visual diagram does not mean that blind people would have to solve these logic games with a visual diagram like there's already a braille version of the test mm-hmm. you know what this lawsuit essentially says or that i it seemed to me it seems totally bogus like he i think because i mean look there's not pictures on the page there's not anything that a blind person can't understand the rules are you know it's all words it's just words well, <laughs> it really I, is I, I, I agree with you on that. And I agree that there are certain students who don't solve the games with any drawing. Right. But, and that's, but, well, let me finish. Let me finish. Okay. Yeah. 
the point that the point that this actual like low vision expert was making was sure. just because sighted people tend to solve it with a visual diagram on scratch paper. Yeah. Does not mean that that's the only way to solve it. And if we believe that people are equal and people can figure shit out, I mean, because essentially, <laughs> yeah, she was just like, what? You're you're essentially telling blind people like you're saying, oh, yeah, no, you guys can't solve puzzles like this. Wait, hold on. I, I don't think they're saying that you can't. I think they're just saying that they're at a disadvantage. Well, and again, that's where this slow vision expert just disagreed. Hmm. Now think about but, the rules, Ben. The yeah, rules well, are well, like, OK, well, the, the, think about what a game actually is. It's like, OK, there's six recipes and, you know, three of them are going to go in the fall cookbook and three of them are going to go in the spring cookbook. Yeah. Well, why the fuck does that put a, a blind person at a disadvantage? Well, OK, so let me ask you this question. Yeah. If you um, if you had a choice, would you do the games with a drawing or not? Yeah, but I'm a sighted person. OK, well, I just <laughs> OK. Would you rather have sight or not? Yeah, I would rather have sight. OK, OK. But so how about this? Close <laughs> your eyes and we'll read it to you. Or you sure. can read it. No, I'm not. I, I'm not saying. Yes, a sighted person would be at a disadvantage if they were not allowed to use scratch paper. That said, if a sighted person never had sight, then they would have all of these compensating ways of doing things. Your brain, your literally your brain would just work differently. OK, so you're saying that blind people have an advantage. Right. Um, doing things in their head or however. it's possible that we could go. That it's possible that it could go that far. Yeah. To where it's you're going to end up. Possible. I got it. The question is, you know, how. OK, so when you lay these things all out, which activity is actually harder? And it's very well, hard to parse out. Right. It's so hard to determine. I guess you can't have it both ways. Here's the thing. Right. If you're willing to admit, I mean, or if you think, which I don't mm -hmm. think I think this is actually true. OK. I mean, according to this, like my conversation that I had with this expert in the field yep. led me to yep. believe that blind people or low vision people are actually not at a disadvantage. OK, yeah, because they were like, no, they have other ways of figuring out puzzles like this. And by the way, the test is in English. It's printed words on the page. They mm -hmm. the accommodations are already there for Braille or sometimes for a reader. Mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. a large print test or a magnifying glass or whatever. So the the accommodations are there to get the words into the brain of the person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, the so answers are also how you solve it. The exactly. point is, is there's a there's a verbal challenge. Go. <laughs> right. It's ultimately it's yeah. a reading comprehension test. It's a logic test. And you have to pick the right answer. Right. The answer that answers the question. And we see people all the time on the logic games. Miss questions because they've misread. That happens all the time. You know, the complicated questions stem and people people confuse the difference between which one of the following is a complete and accurate list of all the people who can go in the spring versus which one of the following could be a complete and accurate list of all the people who are going in the spring. And, mm -hmm. you know, they 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 that's a logic error. That's a reading error. Mm -hmm. And here, here's the thing. I think this is actually a fairly compelling argument. OK. If you're willing to admit that sighted people have or if you think that sighted people have an advantage mm -hmm. in using scratch paper. Yep. Or in <laughs> these games that are solved using some sort of a visual diagram 
by sighted people normally. Mm -hmm. If you think that sighted people have an advantage that way, Mm -hmm. but now you're going to take it away so that you don't disadvantage blind people. Mm -hmm. Aren't you giving blind people like, what are you going to find a neutral thing? You're going to somehow magically find a neutral thing where the, (laughs) cause what you're doing now is you're, you're moving the solution into the brain of someone who does not rely on vision. It's just so fucked up. It's like, I, I don't, I can't imagine how this actually makes any sense for, you know, for like literal actual fairness. I mean, if it was a visual, (laughs) if it was like comparing pictures to one another, then that would clearly be discriminatory or clearly put people without sight at a disadvantage. Yeah. But this is just words on the page. It's I I don't know. I think it's total nonsense. I think the court, I, I think they were totally wrong. Yeah. And but what anyway, what happened was LSAC had to settle and like whatever it was now, you're you're saying four years ago. I think the original lawsuit was more like 15 years ago. And then it wound its way through the courts and then they ended up coming to this. It was a consent agreement. Is that what they called it? Mm, probably. I don't remember. But yeah. Under the Americans with Disabilities Act. Okay. And they had to settle out this lawsuit. Yep. And they agreed to a period of review. Yeah. Research yeah, and that. review with the guy who sued. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's part of it. Yeah, he was. He they were. The agreement was that they were going to work together. So somehow this litigate litigator is that that's not the right litigant term. litigant. Yes, thank you. The litigant somehow also became a self-appointed expert in the solution to the problem. Here's <laughs> one thing. Okay, I I think that. Trying to find a, quote, fair solution for blind folks or visually impaired folks is messy and challenging. And I I don't necessarily agree that they are not at a disadvantage. They may be at an advantage. They may be at a disadvantage. I think it's it's too hard to tell. But my issue is if you're going to try to make accommodations for this group that what makes up two or three percent of test takers, I guess that's a decent chunk. But how 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 do we accommodate so many other learning differences that are hard to identify? Like in some ways, it's just easier to have a test and then give it and see. You say, hey, look, this test is designed to test certain skills that are applicable to law school. Good luck. Everyone has their differences. I don't know how to accommodate them, right? A lot of these differences are hidden and unknown. So why are we trying to go fix this one, which itself is complicated and not necessarily obviously a problem? I mean, we've got people with ADHD that's got to take up a larger portion of the group. They give them um, extra time, but is that really the solution? And the extra time seems overly dramatic. It's like way too much time now. It's way, way too much. Yeah. We have people Even with time and dyslexia. a half is a ridiculous advantage. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So to me, I, I would say create a test that seems to do a good job of testing the skills that are required for law school, whether games does that or not, I guess is an open question. And then see what happens because that's the whole point is you're just trying to test can you have like how 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 long are these accommodations going to continue right like through your career so it is strange i don't want to be insensitive you know like i i I, i'm all for 
making things fair, but it it does, you know, law is extremely competitive and really not about fairness. It's about winning. It's about money and winning and mm-hmm. killing. I mean, it's just the most violent. <laughs> like it really is. Law Wait, school, killing? by the way. Can no, we put it, a well, pause on that for a second? It's a metaphor, but it, ah, a metaphor. Okay. It, yeah. it is violence is the right word for it. Sure. It, it, it's a zero sum. I mean, it's, it's a winners and mm-hmm. losers. Yep. You are be, you're you are training to be a gladiator for your, you know, you're going to be Position. a yep. legal champion for your client and you you're going to war. Yeah. If you think about what this is, you know, it's a it's a divorcing couple fighting over custody of their kids or it's the government trying to deport someone out of the United States, or it's the government trying to imprison someone for the rest of their life, or it's giant corporations fighting over billions of dollars. And if you think that's not violence, then (laughs) we have a different assessment of what violence is. This is like, you know, it's a, it's going to be a contest of strength. And when you get to the court, and and the evidence (laughs) for that which we could go into, but you sent me that article, right? That talked yeah. about the the emotional consequences of becoming an attorney. Maybe we'll get into that on the daily. Yeah. Uh-huh. And long and short of it is, right? The attorneys, when it comes to white collar jobs, attorneys tend to suffer a lot more when it comes to divorce, <laughs> uh, substance abuse, yeah, depression. Yeah. Um, and it starts in law school, by the way. Yep. Because so law school is the same thing. Zero sum. It's like, you know, you're just competing for grades. It's a strict curve. And some people win and some people lose right away in the first semester of your 1L year. Yep. And it never stops. It just never stops being a, a harsh just battle. I've talked to Stanford Law School students. Stanford doesn't even have grades. Yeah. And they still say they still talk about how the, it's the most intense competition they've ever been in in their life. And that's somebody who's in Stanford fucking law school, which means they've mm. been nothing but a killer <laughs> for their entire life. Yeah. And now they're like, holy shit, I can't believe how hard this is. Yeah. And it's so, you know, but then meanwhile, on the LSAT, it's like they're trying to make it fair and they're making they're trying to make it fair in a way that everybody like they want everyone to score the same or something. Yeah, it's this perennial debate, right? Like fairness of opportunity versus fairness of outcomes. And it's hard to, they mix together. And well, anyways, I mean, accommodations of any sort always <laughs> uh, rev people up. So send hate mail to help at thinkinglsat.com. We can, um, we'd love to learn more. We're certainly not, you know, I do want to learn experts. more about about all of this stuff, but I I find it to be I think it's patronizing. I think it's condescending. I, I think I I would love to hear from people without sight. Actually, I, I yeah, want to tell like, us what I, you think. Please you tell like me what you think. Is it? Not, do you yeah. think that the logic games are actually harder for you because you're blind? Because I don't understand really why. I mean, the words are <laughs> you have a way of getting the words in, and you have a way of getting the words out, and then. Sure, you don't have a place where you can externally document stuff on a page like a sighted person would, but surely you have other compensating ways of solving. Because, I mean, boy, 
otherwise, you know, that's like, oh, a blind person is not capable of figuring out who's driving which car and who's the passengers and who's the drivers in, in each car. Mm. Are you fucking kidding me? Surely that's not what people are saying. Think about how like that's just rude. That's like discriminatory against blind people to say that blind people are not able to solve that kind of a puzzle. Yeah. You can't figure out which recipes go in the fall and which ones go in the spring. You can't figure out which switches are on or which switches are off. Yes, a sighted person would put it on the page, but a blind person would solve it in some other way. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Back to this issue on the June 2022 LSAT. Yep. In they, they announced for some students, not all students, some students had a typical you know, extra section of logical reasoning or extra section of whatever. Mm -hmm. But other students had this weird survey section where they are apparently tweaking, testing out a slightly different format of essentially it's the exact same shit, but repeatedly asking over and over and over. Did you use scratch paper? Did you use scratch paper? Did you use scratch paper? Yep. So it's it's <laughs> it's because of this concern for the uh, so lawsuit or that agreement. It, Appears yeah. like what's going to happen is scratch paper is going to go away again, which used to be the case that you couldn't use scratch paper. Oh, wait, what? When was that? That was pre. <laughs> that was our whole career. Yeah. Up until. Yeah. I did. Up okay. until COVID. I remember that. OK, so that's so weird that I forgot. So but you still could write on the page. So you had the, the white you space could write on, the page. on the page. Yep. But yeah, now it's on the screen, the game, so you can't write on the screen. Yeah, you remember when there was like eight questions and people were like, well, where do I do my diagram? And I'd be like, yeah, well, I would probably do it up yeah. here in the corner. <laughs> yeah, you had to Between. do it on the top margin, the side <laughs> margins, the bottom margin, and sometimes the middle margin because yeah, it was yeah. laid out in two columns and there was a middle because it was one game per page. Then yeah. the next then they evolution went to two, of it, yeah, yep, yeah, one two. game per two pages. And then yeah. it was like luxurious. It was like, oh, Jesus, you got a whole blank half a page and another whole blank half a page that's crazy you, how much do you remember the people who who would like fold their test because if you folded your test in half like <laughs> they would be like well now i'm screwed because i did my diagram on the first page of the game and i'm oh, trying right. to answer the questions on the uh -huh. second page and i <laughs> yeah. i can't see my original diagram yep. it's like well you're gonna have to lay your your test out flat <laughs> yeah this is some super compelling content for a lsat student in 2022 who does the lsat on, on the this computer is a blast from the past yeah, yeah. Like, what okay anyway sorry lsat teachers reminisce about the glory days um yeah. <laughs> anyway, looks like the next phase of this is going to be take the scratch paper away again, because that's yep. not fair to blind people. Blind people can't use scratch paper, apparently. Do you think they're on the verge of getting rid of games? No, they're going to do this. They're going to do these 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 in theory, mind doable games. That's what they're going to do. They're going to change it to games that don't that aren't as susceptible. And you know what? They already kind of have, to be honest. There's a couple of them in recent memory, like the hotel trading game. There's no real picture. You don't, or the building trading game. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. know why I always say hotel. I don't think they're even hotels, but they're build, the building trading game. Sure. Maybe you're thinking of Monopoly. <laughs> the build, yeah. The building trading game is a game where, I mean, you can make a table kind of to 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 like unlock the secrets of the game but it's not really like making 
you know, full. I don't know. On that note. June 2022 test. Kids were freaking out about one of the logic games on the test. Okay. Oh, my God. You'll never believe it's just such a hard. It's just a whole new thing. Mm. And then one of the kids chimes in in the chat and goes, oh, I thought it was kind of like that building trading game. <laughs> like, not really the same, but kind of similar. similar. Yeah. And it was easy. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's what I figured. It So, you know, it, it's like almost every test we have this experience where yeah. one of the games people freak out. Oh, wow. It's just I've never I've never seen a game like that before. Yeah. And it's like, well, yeah, your problem is that you continue to keep trying to put square pegs into round holes instead of just hanging in there and reading it carefully and improvising. This focus on types, the focus on games types has really done damage to a lot of students. I just don't. When people say, what type of game is this? I say, what are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. It's the type of game where they have given you all the information you need to answer every question perfectly. If you just mm -hmm. hang in there, mm -hmm. it's it's a simple logic problem where all the rules combine in such a way that there is one hundred percent correct answer and four hundred percent incorrect answers. And you just have to figure that shit out. And it's because you're so focused on types that causes you to have problems in games that are that just don't fit into a neat little box. Yeah. Also, it just seems like they haven't done enough games. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that, that building game is not too old. So it's like, well, I guess you never no. had a chance. To yeah, do that I game did a real what? while we're talking about this. This is all a lot of logic games content today. Um, while while we're on the topic, I, you know, I've been doing a new thing, teaching games in classes now for the last. Well, I should. I guess it's been a few months now where. I have the students photograph their scratch paper and send it to me. And then I yeah. share the scratch paper back out to the class so we can compare yep. different approaches. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of our students. So we did a game from like prep test 12 or something. And I'm still not as familiar with the really old stuff. Yeah. Because I didn't used to cover those in my classes very often. But now we do everything right. Start yep. to finish. So we did this old game. You I'm sure you remember this game, but where it was like, it's basically an org chart. It's like there's going to be a president and mm -hmm. there's going to be. Managers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be technicians or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, they can and the simple rules about. Other. Yeah. Simple rules about the president has to have certain reports and then the managers have to have certain reports and nobody reports to the technicians. And then it's just these easy rules, right? And it's a really easy game. Ultimately, you know, it's, it's a stark difference between the people who are willing to improvise and the people who are not mm -hmm. the people who are willing to improvise. Look at that. And they just immediately draw like an org chart. Mm. And you could do it in your head. Yeah. <laughs> really? There was like five people or something. It was like simple. Mm. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I can't, there's no fucking way that discriminates against blind people. But anyway, um, Sighted people draw out a mm -hmm. little work chart. Yeah. And then you see, I get, I look at, here's a diagram from somebody who's been with us for months and he's just got five or six things in order from left to right. Mm. And it's like, 
I, <laughs> I keep telling you to just do a commonsensical solution. Mm -hmm. And surely you have seen an org chart before. Mm -hmm. Surely you, if you went to, if you, if this was, if you were solving, you know, this uh, puzzle at the hot dog stand that you worked at in high school or whatever, <laughs> you would be able to figure out that like, it's a branching kind of a thing is what we're looking for. Maybe part of the problem here too, is that people start diagramming before they finish reading all the rules. I, that's almost certainly true. Yes. Right. So it's like, if you had read through it all with an open mind and just tried to understand what the heck was happening, you might've, this person might've been more prone to just draw an org chart, but instead they read the first few sentences or even sentence. And they thought, Oh, they're listing out a bunch of people must most likely it's an ordering game. And now you've committed to that. I guess. Yeah. It, it, you should certainly read the paragraph part and read all the rules before you start drawing anything on your page. Just get, try to understand it. Just like we say, Hey, don't start drawing contrapositives or anything like that. Just read it and like literally try to yeah. understand what it's telling you. You're doing the same thing in games. The test sections yeah. are merging together. <laughs> Apparently, because, yeah, this looks like, you know, they're going to they're going to do it in. Well, let, to finish my thought, by the way. Yeah. OK. That one weird game. Right. And mm -hmm. and it was like people are like, oh, well, I've never seen anything. I, I don't I've never the the uh, sorry, the org chart game that I'm mm -hmm. talking about. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, anybody think that this was kind of similar to the computer viruses game? And people are like, yeah, because in the computer viruses game, you had like patient zero that mm -hmm. infected the network from outside the system. And then you had like a branching sort of a thing. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, well, think about it in real life. Mm -hmm. And also when you think they've come up with something brand new that has never. Oh, God. Wow. It's so different and so wild and new and whatever. It's like. I don't know, man, there's 400 of these games. Yeah. And it's hard to come up with brand new, brand new shit. Yeah. You're going to always be getting echoes of previous things, but you just need to use your real life common sense. Like, what would you do? Well, yeah, just what what are you what are you going to do? It's a real life puzzle that you have to solve. Yep. How are you going to solve it? You can solve it any way you want. How would you like to solve it in the easiest possible way? Because yeah. instead of like solving it in the easiest possible way, people are like, no, no, it has to be either this or this. This is an LSAT game. Yeah. You know, instead of just a logical, like a game that you can solve with logic. Anyway, thanks, everybody, for writing in. Um, I had a really good time. Thank you for people who came to my after party uh, on Saturday. That was a really good time to hear everybody's experiences at the test. And yeah, looks like there's going to be a shift coming. Uh, I mean, we've known about this, right? They like agreed in their settlement. It's like a legal settlement mm -hmm. that they have to um, move away from the logic games as they were. Yeah. So now we're starting to get some information about what the logic games might morph into. Yeah. Interesting. It, I, I'll tell you this as a student, there ain't, there's no news here. There's nothing you need to do in the short term at all and in the long term 
your preparation for today's LSAT logic games is going to help you do the shit like this. Yeah. Well, and it just reinforces like <laughs> the path that we at LSAT Demon are already heading down. And that is just try to understand what you're reading. <laughs> right. Because it, it, it's well, not about drawing a bunch of if then statements. It's not about diagramming the second you read a sentence. It's about reading and understanding what the game is telling you. This is just the test <laughs> making that even easier to do, which you should be doing already. But it's like, OK. Anyway, it's mostly reading. It, it really is. I mean, it like I say this over and over and over, but the LSAT is easy. The questions make sense. There's one right answer. There's four wrong answers. The correct answer is the one that answers the question. The four wrong answers don't. This is true for reading comp, logical reasoning, logic games, and whatever the fuck this is going to turn into be. And if you're at LSAT Demon, all you're going to hear is how this makes sense. I mean, it's like we're, we're making it. We're, we're showing you how it makes perfect sense mm -hmm. on the page. Yeah. And I want to hear about it. If any of our teachers are <laughs> ever telling you anything that doesn't sound like that. Yeah. I want to know about it because I think that it is like the first commandment of our LSAT philosophy mm. is this shit makes sense. We are going to make sense of it. Mm -hmm. You know, it might be written in a convoluted way. It might use some language that you're not familiar with. Uh, but it is not a test of knowledge in any way. It's not like you need to memorize weird arcana it's just it it's <laughs> it all you can figure it out. Yeah, that's what we that's what we do. Cool. Thanks for uh, sending that in. And <laughs> yeah, that led to a long discussion. Hopefully people find that helpful. Well, that was big news. I mean, people were freaking out. Yeah, people were also um, I did hear of some people crying during the test. Uh, <laughs> the crying had come from hoping that the previous game section was their experimental section. Mm. And then they got to this section where mm. it said, this is the experimental section. We and they like now, yeah. immediately start crying. Yeah. What else? Oh, some people were annoyed. The, some people finished that whole survey section in like 15 minutes. And then mm. they were forced to just sit there for the rest. They mm. couldn't end it early. Mm. So they were forced to just sit there for the remainder of the 15 or 20 minutes. I saw some people complaining that they thought that that was super unfair. That they had to wait. They had to that they had to sit there and do nothing. It was unfair <laughs> that they had finished so early and that they had to sit there and wait. We live in a world where people don't have to wait anymore. <laughs> so yeah. I can understand that's a new experience for them. But OK, it's probably good for your brain. Cool. If you have more updates on that, please email us at help at thinking yeah. Let's jump into this pearls versus turds. This is from an LSAT tutor. <laughs> yeah, this popped up in class the other day or yeah, it was one of my one of my classes. And one of the one of the students just goes, I had another LSAT tutor. You know, there's a lot of people out there who hold themselves out as LSAT tutors. Sure. Who charge twenty dollars an hour or fifty dollars an hour or a hundred dollars an hour. It's like just totally arbitrary what people mm -hmm. charge for for LSAT tutoring. And yeah. they just declare themselves, you know, if you can get. A customer, I guess you're an LSAT tutor. 
Sure. But anyway, some LSAT tutor had told this student that the September and October tests are easier. <laughs> so, you know, it's funny to hear this because we used to hear, I mean, at least I did. I used to hear this argument all the time. I I used to hear people talking about, oh, the June test, the June test is the hardest one. And um, I think people used to say the December one was the easiest one because that's when like, I don't know, the poorest performing students were taking the test. February. It used to be, I've heard yeah. it most it's, commonly, February. Remember when it was February, June, yeah, June September or September. October and yep. December. Yep. Four times. And it, it used to be that the February one had a reputation of having the softest field. Mm -hmm. And so then people who absolutely had no clue what they were talking about would say, oh, so the February one, that's the one you should take because the competition's easier. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, OK, except for it's not a curved test. It's a scaled test, which means that they determine the scoring scale before they administer the test. So it's totally irrelevant who you're taking the test against. Well, you also have to realize that um, LSAC is owned by uh, the ABA accredited law schools, and they want a test that will give them a number that they can compare applicants and they don't want a test that requires them to look at the particular month in which the test was administered right. to evaluate what it right. actually means. Right. Like it just, I don't know. They, anyways, it's weird because I haven't heard this idea in a really long time. I hadn't heard it in a while either. And if anything, the September and October tests, that, it, that would have been, I thought, the harder uh, one. Like yeah, I've never I mean, heard it as that's the easier one. Yeah, I always felt like it was June. It did seem like the most like prepared, you know, type A students were preparing in February and then taking it in June. Like they were really like ahead of the curve. Um, and then maybe you got some stragglers. That's a weird term to use for September and October because it's still relatively early in the cycle. Not for us here at Elsa Demon, but for a lot right. of people. So, yeah, I wouldn't have thought these two tests to be the ones. <laughs> yeah. I, so, I mean, at this point. 15 years of LSAT teaching, I have now heard that every different season is the easy one. I've yep. also heard mm -hmm. that every different season is the hard one. Mm -hmm. And so we can just put that all to bed, that that is just 100% bullshit. And <laughs> you don't know. And it's not a thing. And uh, so that is yet another turd for our growing pile. There's uh, <laughs> a lot of bad... Bad LSAT information out there. If you have a Pearl versus Turd candidate, you can email help at thinkinglsat.com or uh, find us on social. We're everywhere at Thinking LSAT. Cool. What's this video? I haven't watched this yet. Oh, good. That's perfect. So I was listening to uh, YouTube videos. Sometimes I just let the, the almighty Google AI <laughs> guess what I might like next. Okay. And it gave me this TED talk. Um, in general, I've become <laughs> rather uh, annoyed by TED talks. They all have the same like voice intonation. Yeah, yeah. The same like we're going to solve the world's problems today in 15 minutes. But for whatever reason, this guy kept my attention. And then I got to this part three minutes in. Well, actually three minutes and 43 seconds in. And for two minutes, he gave some tips on getting straight A's. And I thought, hmm, I actually think this is not only good advice for straight A's. I think it's just generally good advice um, in life. And so I wanted to play it for you and see what you thought. Maybe you love it. Maybe you hate it. But seemed 
relevant to okay. our listeners. Too. So we're going to so, play it for our listeners right now. Yep. Um, do you, should I play it right now? And yeah, you play it right it? now and then you tell us what you think. From kindergarten all the way through to my high school graduation, yes, that's high school graduation for me. <laughs> Every one of my report cards basically said the same thing. Stephen's a very bright young boy. If only he would just settle down and focus. What they didn't realize was I wanted that even more than they wanted it for me. I just couldn't. And so from kindergarten straight through the second year of college, I was a really consistent C, C minus student. But then going into my junior year, I'd had enough. I thought, I want to make a change. I'm going to make a marginal adjustment. And I'm going to stop being a spectator in my decision making and start becoming an active participant. And so that year, instead of pretending again that I would suddenly be able to settle down and focus on things for more than five or 10 minutes at a time, I decided to assume I wouldn't. And so if I wanted to achieve the type of outcome that I desired, doing well in school, I was going to actually have to change my approach. And so I made a marginal adjustment. If I would get an assignment, let's say read five chapters in a book, I wouldn't think of it as five chapters. I wouldn't even think of it as one chapter. I would break it down into these tasks that I could achieve that would require me to focus for just five or 10 minutes at a time. So maybe three or four paragraphs, that's it. I would do that. When I was done with those five or 10 minutes, I would get up. I'd go shoot some hoops, do a little drawing, maybe play video games for a few minutes. And then I'd come back. Not necessarily to the same assignment, not even necessarily to the same subject, but just to another task that required just five to 10 minutes of my attention. From that point forward, all the way through to graduation, I was a straight A student. Dean's list, president's honor roll, every semester. I then went on to one of the top graduate programs in the world for finance and economics. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, the tip is, uh, it's a lot like what we've been saying. Your, your job is not to climb the whole mountain today. Your job is to, to take one step. Yep. Read one sentence, read half a sentence, you know, we're doing that in reading comprehension, but I was, I hadn't thought of it of, of pulling this back and and doing it for anything that you're just like resisting that you want to do but you don't want to do right it's like we break things down into we know this idea of breaking things down into smaller tasks but how small are you going to go go as small as you need to to make it happen i mean this is someone who probably has adhd or something he can't focus for more than 5 minutes and it's like, okay, let me deal with that reality instead of pretending that I'm somebody else and I'm just going to white knuckle it through 30 minutes of really nothing that's ever going to happen. Maybe once and then you just can't get yourself to go back because it's too painful. Do the littlest bit. Do the, mm -hmm. do, maybe do the easiest bit. Do just a part of it that has to be done. Yeah. Do a tiny part of it. And then go do whatever you want, but just get a tiny little bite done. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. Um, funny thing is I, uh, I listen to audiobooks all the time, right? Mm -hmm. And I have some books on my nightstand that I never read. Mm -hmm. And I, and I just said, okay, I can do that. I can do, 
I can do two minutes. I can do a paragraph. And of course I pick it up. I read a paragraph and like now I'm sitting there. I'm already into it. And I just keep reading. Right. And I'm like, wow, now I'm knocking this stuff out. And for some reason, I think in my head, it was like a bigger thing than it was, which is so stupid, but it doesn't need to be. And it doesn't need to be every time, you know, I can just start with a paragraph. It works for working out and stuff too, right? It's like, you know, you don't have to go run eight miles. You could go just go jog for five minutes. Yeah. Jog for two minutes. And, and then it's in the physical context, it's, it's, uh, really, you know, you immediately start getting the, the brain chemicals and stuff too. Right. So like you do a little, you didn't want to do it at all. Yep. You negotiated with yourself and you just said, ah, well, I'm just going to jog up the block and back. Yep. But then by the time you get up the block, you're like already getting the, the energy, you know, the, the, whatever the drugs yeah, <laughs> that your brain naturally produces. And then you're like, oh, well maybe I can keep going. And then maybe you do do that eight miles after all, uh, one step at a time. Cool. Yeah. All right. We got an email here from Cassandra. It says, hi, Ben and Nathan. <laughs> People love starting with preambles that sound like, I hope this email is not too long. I aim to keep it simple and explain as much as possible as succinctly as possible. Okay. If that's your goal, cut that entire first cut sentence, which sentence. should have been two sentences, but whatever. <laughs> there was a comma splice in the middle of that. But um, yeah, you you could just cut all that shit. Just, just say it. Just if you're going to, if that's your whole thing, like I'm going to be succinct, then, you know, you need to be succinct. Like talking yeah. about being succinct does not mean, um, is, is the exact opposite. Of being yeah, you succinct. are violating the goal as you profess it. Yeah. Succinct, by the way, is an adjective that means briefly and clearly expressed. And uh, yeah, I aim to be succinct is uh, <laughs> not a thing you do if you are being succinct. OK, yep. I graduated from undergrad in 2022. I have been studying for the LSAT since May with plans to apply for law school in September of 2023. Probably wants to start law school in September of 2023, which in our way of doing it would require a September 2022 application to give yourself the best chance of scholarships. My diagnostic score was a 157 comma splice my best sections being logic games reading comp and logical reasoning respectively hmm? Those all are three of best them? sections uh, yeah best sections? <laughs> in order of so best at games worst at lr yep i studied with seven sage for about two weeks during which time i took two practice tests and scored 151 on both i almost went crazy after seeing such a score decrease I found the Demon Podcast two weeks ago and have since canceled my Seven Sage subscription and taking taken your advice about intuitively taking the test and seeing how far my unconscious competence takes me. I scored a 162 on my most recent test just two weeks after my 151 and only a few days with Demon free. That is excellent news. Thank you, Cassandra. Yeah, awesome. It's like, it's just, it's fucking easier than you guys think it is it's like you you like lsat brain you know people go into like no no i'm done i'm good i'm doing the lsat now and i have to do all this weird robotic technical shit and that does not help you it hurts you 
And that's what happened here with Cassandra. You know, she, 157 is an excellent diagnostic. Yeah. And there's absolutely no reason why you shouldn't have gotten into the 160s almost immediately. Instead, mm-hmm. you went to seven sage, I guess, and started studying a bunch of theory and went backward, which is not surprising. It's just like real common because you're that for some reason, they think that they can help you by convincing you that you need to just bury yourself in all this weird mumbo jumbo instead of like reading it and understanding it. Yep. Anyway, because I am confident. Oh, sorry. First, thank you. Even the demon free account has helped immensely. I'm excited to see more progress when I subscribe to one of the paid demon options because I'm confident that I will be able to increase my LSAT score. What I am worried about in regards to law school admissions is my GPA. My UGPA was a 3.40. Not good, but during my first two years, I was not sure of what to major in and screwed around with too many STEM courses. In my last five semesters, my average GPA was 3.8. I'm about to go to grad school. Ugh. During which I will study for the LSAT and apply for law school. My questions are as follows. Right away, I'm like, why are you going to grad school? Why? Seems yeah. like a waste of time. You don't need it. No. Yeah. Um, who knows? Maybe Cassandra's doing something that we're not aware of, but I, I don't, I'm not aware of. I doubt it. Yeah. Sorry, Cassandra. <laughs> I mean, I have two master's degrees. They were both pointless for law school. Like, it just had nothing to do with anything. One. Yep. Will my master's GPA count more than, less than, or the same as my undergraduate GPA, Ben? It won't count at all. Yeah, it won't count at all because your master's GPA is not going to be rolled into your LSAC credential assembly service, UGPA, which law school admissions folk are clear that they care about your LSAT first, your UGPA second, and... Most people don't have a master's, so your master's GPA is a zero, non-issue. Not only that, but rampant grade inflation in master's programs anyway. It's like there's no, there's just, there's no, I mean, you're not doing anything for your law school admissions case. So (laughs) please do not. Number two, because I won't have very professional work experience, should I try to work during grad school and improve my resume? No. <laughs> Please elaborate. <laughs> I, again, you just, okay, so your, your master's GPA doesn't count for anything. And I would say that the things on your resume count for pretty, it's better to think that they count for nothing than to, to start getting into this idea that they count for something, even though they might count for a little bit of a thing. Um, it's so small that I don't even want to pretend that they mean anything. So just they don't count. So don't waste your time trying to get pad your resume for law school. Get a job to give yourself experience, but not, not to apply. Yep. You're you're worrying about the wrong thing, Cassandra. You can make yourself you're you are such a good candidate. With your three point four, that's not awesome. But you could get into the 170s, I think. I I would bet, you know, give me 50-50 on my house, like even money on my house. I would take that bet that we could get Cassandra into the 170s. She started with a diagnostic of 157. That's astronomical for a diagnostic. Nice work. Can we get Cassandra 14 points of improvement? Fuck yeah, we can. Yeah. And... You know, like if you apply with a 170 something and a 3.4, 
and you have like a two sentence addendum, you already wrote it. In my last five semesters, my average GPA was a 3.8. One sentence addendum. Yep, that's it. Thank you. Just because you're going to your point, attention. Yep, mm-hmm. you're going to bring their attention to the fact that you had better in an increasing grade trend. It's just like, hey, they, you, you know, it doesn't change the number that they're going to report to the American Bar Association, a report to the world, U.S. News and World Report, most importantly, via their 509 report. But maybe they are willing to go, oh, shit, 173. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah, 3.4. But look, last five semesters, 3.8. She's clearly got the horsepower. Mm-hmm. And they anchor on the 3.8 instead of the 3.4. And I don't give a shit if your resume has McDonald's and that's it. I don't care. It doesn't who it doesn't doesn't matter. And masters irrelevant because nobody else has a masters. It says you can't compare that to anybody else. So who cares? I don't know. You're wasting time with that masters. I think you're wasting time thinking about job ex- work experience. All this bullshit that the Apple that the admissions folks say about, you know, holistic, blah, blah, blah. They're only doing that to hide how important the LSAT is and how important your undergraduate GPA is. Uh, I would say their main motivation is to, yeah, hide those things, but also to <laughs> protect themselves, right? They can now reject you for any reason and you have no idea why. Yeah. And Cassandra, you're, you're an excellent, you know... <laughs> You are going to make yourself into an excellent applicant by killing the LSAT. Mm-hmm. It's the it's the primary determinant of where you're going to go and how much you're going to pay to go there. And you shouldn't be worrying about anything else besides your test. You just you just focus, quit everything else and just focus on the test. And you're going to you're going to get yourself full ride scholarships to I bet, you know, what do you think? Like top 30 schools with a 170 something and a 3.4. Yeah. You, you, you're going to have all kinds of amazing offers, Cassandra, but it's the LSAT that's going to do it. None of this other bullshit. Yeah. You know, I do want to talk about her master's program. If she's going to the master's program to get into law school, like she wants a better GPA or she wants to add this to her, her resume, her education resume, don't do it. But if you're going because you're interested in what the master's program is going to teach you, then Maybe you shouldn't be going to law school. Like, go do that. Yeah. If it's a master's in public health and you like think you want to work in this field, then by all means, don't keep. Yeah, (laughs) go do that. Law school is for people who want to become practicing attorneys. Unless you know some public health administrator who's like, yeah, you need a JD. I highly doubt you do. And you're probably hearing some law school say, oh, look. A JD is a, you know, it's a door to anything. No, it's a door to legal practice, which is misery for a lot of people, except for the select few who love it. And that's the only reason to go to law school. I agree. If you're not going to be a barred attorney, do not waste time and money and fucking emotional capital <laughs> like with your family <laughs> yeah. uh do not continue down this path if you do not want to practice law as a barred attorney yep the fact that you can do anything with the jd is not a good reason to get a jd no you can also do anything with an md 
but that's not a good reason to get an MD. <laughs> you yeah. can do anything with a PhD. That's yeah. not a good reason to get a PhD. It's a stupid argument. <laughs> like, like you could just put that on the LSAT. It's a dumb <laughs> argument for law school. Yeah. Don't do it. It's way too expensive. It takes way too much time. It's way too expensive. It's way too stressful. It like it's not helpful. It's just not helpful for any other thing. I mean, the idea that like getting a JD helps you in business or whatever. No, it does not. Hey, Nathan, I just had an idea. Oh, boy. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, man, you gotta (laughs) gotta be a little more open to my ideas. Um, So we don't want to write our own LSAT questions. Obviously, there are 9000 official questions. They're amazing. They're what you should be studying with to prepare for the LSAT. But agreed. What if we wrote some that had these kind of arguments <laughs> yeah. we and can snuck be them into drilling? Yeah, yes. right? And it's like, no, this is horrible for this reason. So people get the right, arguments for why you should pay for law school or why you should accept you know, a half tuition scholarship. Just all this stuff. People will know. They're like, oh, it's from that <laughs> fake test that Nathan and Ben wrote. But get it into your head. <laughs> Yeah, we could definitely do that. Like um, we could do it in a lot of different ways, too, like because uh, we could also do it with sort of pearls versus turds. Mm-hmm. Like I'm immediately thinking of a of an LSAT question that has to do with the September and October test or yep. whichever test is easier because it's against a softer field. And then which of the following would weaken the most? And it's like, mm. well, the test is not <laughs> the test is not not uh curved (laughs) the test is scaled and they determine the difficulty of the test before they administer it and that's a devastating weakener that'd be a good weekend question yeah yeah we could do that yeah it'd be like a a good way to make sure that all the people using the demon are like at some point you're getting exposed to this idea and disabused of it various different myths Yeah, yeah we could disabuse you of all sorts of different myths Via cool. logical reasoning questions. Yeah, that's a great idea. Let's put it on the list of things we're never going to do. Um, <laughs> All right. So what's this, this next one? Yeah. Go ahead. It's your turn. Okay. Hi. I have just signed up for the free plan. I am sure I will upgrade shortly. I have not started studying from any other resource. Okay. I don't, this is from Anonymous, by the way. I have no past experience at all with the LSAT. I haven't even looked at sample questions or directions. Good. This is my question, colon. Do I take the diagnostic test now without doing any prep work at all? Or do I at least read the directions for each section to familiarize <laughs> myself with that part and then take the diagnostic? Or should I complete some minimal practice for each section and then take the diagnostic test? Thank you. Some people, I appreciate this email. Thank you. Some people have to be told literally everything. It's really kind of strange. In the time it took to write the question, do I at least read the directions for each section? You could have just read the directions for each section. I mean, the directions for each section are about the same length as this email. Yeah. And it would it would start to answer your other questions, too, because you could read them and you'd be like, hmm, how helpful was that? And and then you might say to yourself, well, OK, I'll go do a question in drilling or something like that. I don't know. The answer is yes, you should read things. And the directions for the damn test are one of the things that you should read. 
but to answer your question in less of a smart ass way, um, we don't think you need to do any preparation before you do the uh, do a practice test. Uh, the point of doing a diagnostic is not to determine your life's future or your, you know, your, your path on even on LSAT prep. The point of doing a diagnostic is to take a snapshot of where you're at and start familiarizing yourself with the test. There's no better way to familiarize yourself with the test than to do the fucking test. A practice test. That is not an official test that costs $200 and uses up one of your, you know, limited attempts at the test, a practice test. No better way than to just do a practice test. We have a hundred of them roughly to work on. Yep. And you don't need to do any preparation. You don't need to read any theory whatsoever. I do recommend reading the directions at the top, uh, but otherwise just dive right in and you're going to make some mistakes. You know, I, I would encourage you not to try to finish. Do one question at a time. Figure that shit out. You're going to figure some of them out. And you could figure out most of them, if not all of them, if you just took time and were careful, you would solve each question because they make perfect sense on the page. Yep. And the wrong answers are per- wrong for multiple reasons. So like you can solve these, you, you can figure them out right now with no preparation whatsoever. You can solve these questions and that's what you should do. And then you're going to run out of time. And when you run out of time, then you need to review and the ones that you've missed or the ones that you've struggled with, like that's where you should spend the rest of your day or two days of reviewing and figure out why you missed them. Yeah. And that's really the core of LSAT prep is to just do real LSAT questions and then figure most of them out. Because they make sense. If you if you don't get to that point where you're figuring them out and they're making sense to you, you're never going to be successful. So you have to start that on day one. Yep. Like solve the easy ones, figure them yep. out, get some points. <laughs> the majority of your points always this is this is kind of shocking for people to hear. The majority of your points are always going to come from questions that are easy to you. You're going to be careful. You're going to be sure that you're picking the right answer and you're going to get paid. And you're going to do that over and over and over. And eventually the medium difficulty ones you're going to realize are easy. And the hard ones you're going to realize are medium or easy. Mm -hmm. And then there's going to be one or two real nasty ones, which still cause me trouble. (laughs) I had two of them this week, Ben, in Double Black Diamond. There were two logical reasoning questions where I was like, you know, I'm pretty sure I can get this right. But I've seen this question a dozen times and it takes me eight minutes to explain it to you. Mm. This is not the question that you need to worry about. You're unlikely to get it. And what you're getting one point for this. It differentiates the 178s from the 179s, you know, but it's not anybody's problem until you're already. Like an literally an LSAT teacher. Yeah, this is something you can struggle with. When you've already scored 175 and come to work for the LSAT demon, then you can worry about this question. Well, imagine you have an orchard, right? And you try to pick oranges from your trees and then sell them in the market. What, you're going to like look at that orange that's way up at the top that no one can get to and be like, well, I need to figure out how to get that orange. It's like, Let me get a crane in here. (laughs) Yeah. So that I can, you know... (laughs) 
I, yeah, it, it's like, uh, no, no, let's focus on the ones that, you know, the overburdened branches full mm-hmm. of oranges that are just hanging down on the ground. Yeah. Fill up your basket. And that's that's what every brand new student needs to do. And you should be able to do that from day one. I mean, if you like the first five. You should figure that shit out. Mm-hmm. On day one, because that's just very simple reading. Yeah, those aren't hard questions. Um, I would emphasize that whether you take a diagnostic test, a timed section, which is just one section from, you know, that test or drill, I don't care. As you right. said, Nathan, LSAT prep is simple. It is doing official LSAT questions, learning from them by reviewing them carefully and then doing more. <laughs> so <laughs> what mode you do that in, I don't care. Right. If you're avoiding a diagnostic test because you're afraid of getting a score or being assessed, well, then go take one because right. you need to get over that fear. The more afraid you are, the more important it is that you do it. That said, yeah. if you're procrastinating because, oh my God, it's two and a half hours and I don't know, you know, I'm gonna, yeah. well, let me schedule two and a half hours, you know, three weeks from next Tuesday. Oh, yeah. Well, no. Okay. Do one question right now. Right now. You can do a logical reasoning question in five minutes and then you can start reviewing it. And maybe that'll take you five minutes. Maybe it'll take you 10. Just do it. It's going to give you the easiest ones at first. LSATdemon.com. Sign up for a free account. Start drilling. You know, in two minutes, you could have a new account and you could be doing a question in LSAT Demon. You could be doing one question, do your best, figure it out. And then right there, if you struggle at all, you're going to see videos from me, videos from Ben, written explanations and an ask button on every single page where you can ask our team of tutors for help. You can do all that for free right now. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> We're giving away the store, Ben. But, yeah. uh, you know, we want to help people. So go do it. You can get started right now. OK. Hey, I want to talk about the instructions, the directions. Sure. At the after party. On Saturday night, Hmm. I had people fresh off the test who had never they told me that they were uh, distracted because they had taken the test. And it was the first time that they had ever seen the directions at the beginning of the section. And I just wanted to put that on your radar because I would hope that when people do practice tests in the demon they are confronted with those directions. You know, I would, I would think that even they are, I mean, they are, Yeah, we, we have recreated the test exactly how it is. Does that, except for the fact that it looks nicer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Which is not hard. Um, well, probably is real hard, but (laughs) there are, uh, there's room for improvement. Let's say I'm shocked that they're saying that because that's the first thing you do. The timer is already going, which is exactly how it is on the actual test. And it has a continue button, which is similar to the actual test. So they have to, they have to deliberately click past this. And does that happen even when they do just timed sections? Yep. I'm doing a time section right now. Okay. All right. So this maybe was somebody who, (laughs) ironically, maybe they were doing their sections on Law Hub or something (laughs) and Law Hub, the practice. I don't know. All I know is this was a this was one of our students who was like, yeah, I was just I was confused because it had these directions at the beginning and it was telling me about what kinds of assumptions I should or should not make. And I was confused. And I was like, wait, what? You've never seen the section directions before? 
But OK, it's good to know that we are giving you the section directions at the beginning of every section, just like they do on the actual test. Um, interesting. So when I go into Law Hub, yeah, they show the directions, too. OK, yeah, we're so doing it know. the same. We're, we're following that format. The directions right. are shown and the timer has already started, which is just like the actual test. OK, I don't know. Somebody was confused, but I'm glad okay. we uh, Whatever. I'm glad we it's addressed good to that. Know. Be yeah. confident. Yeah. I uh <clears throat> I forgot to talk about my pet. So you went hiking and got a pet. I got a pet. Um <laughs> I hope nobody calls the f- fish and game like wildlife <laughs> department because it might be illegal. I don't know. I don't think it's illegal. It can't be illegal. Uh it would be probably illegal if I tried to sell my pet, but I keeping my pet, I don't think is it's not a it's not an illegal animal to own. Um, I, I just went and checked to see if he was up and about and cause I was going to show him off to you, but, okay. uh, he, uh, he's sleeping. Um, he's a nocturnal animal and, okay. uh, he, or he might be dead. It's hard to tell with him cause he doesn't do, <laughs> he doesn't do much. Um, <laughs> he's very slow and, um, okay. according to the internet, he might live to be 50 years old or, or longer. Hmm. He only needs to be fed rarely, if ever. Uh, it's like, you know, they can go like six months easily without eating. Okay. Uh, do you have any guesses as to what my pet is? But I think you already told me. Oh, I told you. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the way the it was actually kind of a cool story. It was like, um, so I was hiking last May. Mm-hmm. I was actually jogging on the trail mm-hmm. on the trail that you've been on with me on the Daggett loop. Yep. And I was, <laughs> I was jogging and in the like split second, I was like taking, I was like, Oh fuck snake. And I jumped over a snake. Mm-hmm. I couldn't stop. You know, I was just running and I started yeah. like jumped over this snake yep. and I stop and I turn around and I have on my phone the greatest thing ever invented, which is an app called Seek, S-E-E-K, Seek. Okay. Mm-hmm. Seek allows you to photograph and then magically identify any plant or animal. Okay. It's nice. badass. It is a v- excellent use of the internet. Okay. And I identified it as a northern rubber boa. It was just chilling in the middle of the trail. And it, mm-hmm. I never would have imagined that boas would live in the, you know, high elevation. I'm in Lake Tahoe, right? It's like mm-hmm. cold as shit here. In yeah. the, it's so, we're at high enough elevation that there aren't any rattlesnakes. Like they can't live here, hmm. even though they're all over California and Nevada yeah. Yeah, in the yeah, hot yeah. places. But it's just yeah. not hot enough here. Anyway, northern rubber boa. And this was last May. OK. And I just kind of looked at him and then. I went on my way and later I was reading about this species and apparently this species is the like one of the species that they use to get people over their fear of snakes because it's like excellent for first time snake owners, super friendly. They give the illusion of being cuddly, even, you know, they don't give a fuck, but they they want (laughs) your they want your warmth. So they will actually like cozy up to you Mm. Super easy to take care of. And I, I as I, I guess was, they don't bite or anything. huh? No, they don't bite. They don't strike. Apparently they musk when they feel threatened. 
they hmm. like make us stink. Hmm. Which I have not experienced with my new friend. Um, but this was a year ago and I, I kind of, I regretted not like saying hi to the snake. I, I didn't, you know, I didn't touch him. I didn't fuck with him. I just went on my way, hmm. but I was like, Oh, huh. I wonder if I should have like visited with that <laughs> snake. So I thought about it. I've just been kind of like thinking, well, if I ever come across it again or him, you know, well, a, it's not obviously can't be the same exact snake because 13 yeah. months later, but in a very similar place, in a very similar situation, he's just laying out across the trail, getting hmm. sun, I guess, in the middle hmm. of fucking nowhere. Yeah. And <laughs> I was actually proud of myself. I did not recheck to make sure. I just went straight down and just picked him up off the ground. <laughs> and I've never, I'm not like a snake guy. I've never had a snake. I've never really handled a snake. I, I yeah. still, you know, it is, I understand it's like kind of creepy, but I picked him up and he, he just kind of like, you know, he sort of tried to get away, but you do this, th he's like going this way, right? You like do this thing where mm -hmm. he's just like, go, it's like a snake treadmill. He's like, yeah. <laughs> and then he just kind of like, curled up and he like wrapped himself around my hand and the, he just and then I just kept him and I walked four miles home <laughs> I was way the fuck nowhere yeah. so I walked I walked home mm -hmm. and then I got a terrarium for him and I got some I, I, I read up on the internet what I was supposed to do and apparently yeah. I need to go buy some dead mice babies and try yeah. to feed them okay. at some point yeah, if you feeding them live prey is not apparently good because live prey can have parasites and stuff. So you get like mm. the frozen ones, mm. thaw them out and see if he'll take it. The Internet was like, yeah, they might not accept food for they might have to do a winter first. <laughs> like sometimes they'll just be like, nah, mm. I need to hibernate or whatever and just won't eat. But I figure, you know, he'll eat when he wants yeah. to eat. Yeah. And um, anyway, if anybody has any uh, snake owning experience, <laughs> you could email us uh, or email. Yeah. Help at thinking because I read that email and you could tell me about your snake ownership and give me some tips. Yeah, I haven't fucked with them once since I put him into the terrarium. I've just been letting him chill in there. Mm -hmm. But he comes out at night sometimes. And um, yeah, I'll, I'll pull him out and check him out again mm. at some point. It's like it's a perfect pet for me because he does not say shit. He requires no maintenance whatsoever. He mostly just sleeps mm -hmm. and I don't, and he's, it's perfect. It's like, yep, that's my, that's my snake, but I don't, <laughs> I don't have to, I don't have to do anything or worry about it ever. Anyway, there that's you go, that. man. Congrats. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank mm -hmm. you. I'm proud. Yeah. I'm proud Glad of him. He wasn't somebody else and you know, some other kind of snake that was ultra aggressive. As you swoop down to pick up, you're like, oh, there you are again, buddy. He's like, no, no, I'm somebody else. No, I'm actually a super poisonous, deathly dead. snake. And I just die out there on the trail. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, he's a, he's a northern rubber boa and he's super cool. His tail is kind of jacked because I read again, according to the Internet, they use their ta their tail and their head look very similar. Hmm. And they use their tail as a decoy. When they're invading, because what they do is they go in to like a mouse nest mm. and they use the tail to decoy the adult, like the mom mouse. Mm. Yeah. And the mom mouse is like biting on the snake's tail, which, of course, doesn't mm. do shit to the snake. 
Meanwhile, the other end of the snake is just it said it said on the Internet, it said while it gently consumes the babies one by oh one. <laughs> gently. <laughs> yeah, it's just very because it's super slow, right? It doesn't move yeah. very fast, but it's just like slowly just enveloping the babies. Oh my god. <laughs> while its tail is being attacked by the <laughs> mouse. Cool. It's a perfect pet for me. I need a name. Yeah. Uh, if anybody wants to help name my uh, pet snake, I need a name. So okay, okay, all right. <laughs> you can be LSAT famous. Get on an upcoming show by emailing help at thinkinglsat.com. Uh, we record normally on Tuesdays, which means that when this episode comes out on Monday, June twentieth, if there's something that you would like to get on the agenda for the show that comes out on Monday, June 27th, you need to uh, talk to us like right now today at help at LSAT, uh, help at thinking So if you want to chime in on the uh, low vision discussion that we had at the top of the show, if you want to uh, chime in on, you know, your experiences with the uh, weird logic game survey that they had on the most recent test, or if you have comments about, the little clip we played about how to get straight A's. We don't want to talk about anything that we talked about on the show today. Um, we really appreciate our day one listeners who email us help at thinkinglset.com. And that's the best way to email us right away uh, is the best way to like continue a fresh discussion because we do have about a week lead time um, recording to actually publishing. If you have any questions about the LSAT demon, you can email help at lsatdemon.com. Uh, please check out our other podcast, which is particularly popular now on YouTube, uh, LSAT Demon Daily Podcast. Those are shorter episodes, which I guess is just kind of better for YouTube. We also cool. have a digest once a week that puts together all of the episodes, which I am guessing is better for the podcast. If you're really just a listener, you probably like that Demon Daily Digest. Anyway, uh, check out our other shit. That was episode 355 of the Thinking LSAT podcast. Thanks all y'all for listening. Nice knowing you. Don't pay for law school. 